0: Hello, welcome to another episode of Unpacking Neuroqueerness. In today's episode, I wanted to explain why there is such a disconnect in between autistic advocates, uh, autism researchers, and parents of autistic children, most notably those with high support needs. So... The thing is, we live in a society that is not kind to people that have disabilities. Any kind of disability, a developmental disability, a physical disability, an intellectual disability, a proxy of speech, perhaps, any kind of disability. And a lot of these disabilities that um, you know, parent Disabilities such as impaired neuromotor function, sensory processing disorder, executive dysfunction, and among uh, proxy of speech, among others, are disabilities that are very common in autistic people. I myself have several of those disabilities I just listed. And it's understandable, see, what people need to understand, the second thing people need to understand. Especially researchers neurotypicals, researchers and neurotypical parents. Autism, the the word spectrum gets misinterpreted a lot. What we mean, what what autism spectrum really means, is a spectrum of different traits to different intensities. Like imagine a pizza wheel, um, different traits such as executive dysfunction, such as sensory differences, such as hyper focus, such as literal thinking. So different traits, some disabling, some positive, to different intensities for each person and the intensity of these traits can vary throughout just one single day for instance. So, unfortunately a lot of people don't understand that the spectrum is really uh, a wheel of traits and, and they end up thinking of the spectrum as like a linear spectrum uh, and the reality is it is not linear but pe- a lot of people even um, people that have autistic family members or that work with autistic people insist on treating the spectrum as if it were linear saying things such as mild autism and severe autism and you know i can quote researchers that have spoken at this at length one of them being dr damian milton from uh, kent university and he explains that there's no, and him and many others that write about this explain that there's no such thing as mild autism or severe autism. It's really different traits to different intensities, and so there are folks with higher support needs. Well, I think one of what a lot of these um neurotypicals mean when they say so-called severe autism is they're talking about autistics with high support needs, autistics that might have a lot of executive dysfunction, uh, sensory processing disorder or differences, executive dysfunction, you know, um, what's impaired neuromotor function, uh, proxy of speech, they might be non-speaking. Um, now, that doesn't always mean that they can't communicate because they could write they, their sign language. Let's not Let's not speak over autistic people just because they can't speak verbally. Let's acknowledge that, you know, there are ways that they can express themselves through writing and other methods as well because I see that kind of ableism way too much out there. So... I just wanted to point that out as well. Um, But understandably so, a lot of the parents of autistics with higher support needs, they worry about their children, what's going to happen with their children, are their children going to be able to live independently when their parents are gone. And now that is a valid concern, but the thing is... These parents and researchers they tend to place the the burden of these disabilities that are associated with autism and a d h d and whatnot, <clears throat> speaking mainly of autism in this episode they they put the burden of those disabilities on the disabled people themselves or on the families you know the the society places the burden of disability on disabled people and their families instead of properly accommodating disabled people. And, and this isn't to say that if disabled people were properly accepted and accommodated by society that all the problems related to our disability would go away because they certainly wouldn't. There are still things that we would need support for and everything, but I have no doubt in my mind that if we lived in a society that were more inclusive towards disabled people and their needs, you know, if supermarkets had quiet hours for people with sensory overload, you know, little things like that, if the world were more accommodating to disabled people, we, it wouldn't be so stressful to raise a disabled child and parents wouldn't have as much of a worry, probably, about their children when they grow up and see this is what drives me crazy and this is why uh, what this, there's so much why there's so much ableism in the medical community in the amongst the researchers and even amongst some well-intending parents of distinct children because they don't seem to understand that we should be investing instead of investing in eugenics research instead of trying to get rid of disability And disabled people we need to be investing in how do we in research geared towards how do we better accommodate and support disabled individuals based on how they want to be supported not based on what narrow normative molds society has decided they need to sit but based on how do they want to be supported how do they need to be supported what what are the best ways to support them that will make them thrive. That is what researchers need to be focusing on. Not, oh, how early can it be detected? Oh, epidemic. Oh, how can we eliminate autism? It's not about eliminating disability, guys. It's not about eliminating a a certain whole community from the earth. It's about understanding... How do we accommodate these folks? How do we support them? How do we set up a system where they can lead full, healthy lives and parents don't need to worry about what's going to happen when they're gone? So that's the point I wanted to make today. Um, I hope this episode was helpful for you. Thank you for listening if you stay till the end, and I'll see you next time.